to the show this is the adf underground brought to you by all day football welcome aboard y'all thanks for joining me once again on the show this is the week four recap glad to be here a lot of great contests interesting contests happen this week as we start to see teams defining themselves to what they are and teams to what they're not a very interesting concept I saw watching a lot of these contests this week was the fact that film study is now becoming evident in how a lot of these teams are game planning against their opposition. You're going to see it if you went back and reviewed a lot of the games. You're going to see how teams are adjusting. And it was it was prevalent in a lot of these contests. So, I mean... I'm not surprised because the first three weeks are usually very difficult to predict as an analyst. Um, But now we're starting to see how teams will separate themselves from the pack. So we got a lot to cover. Let's jump right in. Jumping all the way back to Thursday Night Football where we had the Philadelphia Eagles traveling to the Green Bay Packers. This contest was interesting for me only because of how beat up the uh, Philadelphia Eagles were it was a short week I really didn't expect a whole lot they were getting Alshon Jeffrey back in the game still no Deshaun Jackson the secondary was depleted you know Carson Wentz took a beating I was very curious to see how they were going to shape up against the Packers and I was I was saying it a lot last week on the show that I was very encouraged by the Green Bay Packers defense and I thought, you know, this one might turn out to be a a blitz by the Packers where they would just shut them down. And it didn't really happen outside of the very first drive where Carson Wentz looked inaccurate. You know, this was a contest. This was a good game. It was a very sound game. So the Packers did jump out in front early. And it was virtually with Devontae Adams. So we were all asking, where has Devontae Adams been in this offense? You know, he seems to be struggling. He's not necessarily getting all the targets and the open looks. But they made it a point to feed Adams early and often. And it worked. I mean, they could not stop Adams whatsoever. His day was massive. He went 10 for 180. Didn't find the end zone. He did get injured late in the contest, which kind of changed the dynamic for how Green Bay was operating. But Aaron Rodgers looked good. He threw the ball a ton in this game. He threw over 53, or he did throw 53 passes. You know, but it was his it was his best throwing performance of the of the season so far. And just the way that the offense was was tailored to the pass game in this contest is something that Matt LaFleur hadn't done in the past three weeks. And I was saying that it looked as though the Packers were going towards more of a game-controlling, ball-controlling type of 
scheme, and this game completely changed that. But when it came to the Eagles, so we were talking about the Eagles, and we couldn't understand. They had run, They have running backs like Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, and it seemed like Doug Pedersen, the head coach of the Eagles, refused to use them. This game proved otherwise. Jordan Howard was your guy. Miles Sanders was your guy. And this is proof of what we were discussing last week to say, if you're struggling in any aspect of your game, feed these gentlemen the ball. It was working. Jordan Howard was 5.8 per carry. Miles Sanders was 6.5. Howard found the end zone twice. I mean, it was working. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, he, he didn't have his best day, but he was he made the plays when they needed them. He was 16 and 27 for 160, which isn't great, but he threw those three touchdown passes against a defense that was in the previous three weeks extremely stout. Good game plan by the Eagles. They looked good as hurt as they are, and they took more beating in the back end as well. I believe they signed Orlando Skandrick off the free agency, off the street, because they literally have nobody left. Depth has been their issue over the past two years, and again, it's creeping around with its ugly head. And the Packers, I mean, they let one down. I mean, Aaron Rodgers had a shot at the end of the game, and he ended up throwing that pick. Green Bay still looks good. I have faith. Defense was exposed, so the tape is out there now. And this is the the scenario. What's going to happen for moving forward with the weeks? Getting more tape. These coaches will start to dissect. Good game on Thursday to start the week. But let's move along. Let's go to Sunday. Had a lot of good contests. Bye weeks have started. The New York Jets and the San Francisco 49ers both enjoyed their first bye, early bye. Not the best if you have injuries already, but you'd like to have those buys a little bit later. But anyway, first contest on the docket for us. Let's go to the Tennessee Titans traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. So when we discussed the Atlanta Falcons for the first three contests of the season, my discouraging frustration towards the defensive play I can't speak more than enough about how frustrating this is to watch if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan and like I said before I got a lot of love for the Falcons Julio Jones is one of my favorite receivers in the game this contest to me really validates what Atlanta is And as I was discussing with one of my colleagues during the contest, nobody's talking about the fact really that this fall from grace that the Falcons have been on since they lost that Super Bowl. And I mean, I can even go back to that Super Bowl and remember discussing that after blowing that massive lead to Tom Brady, that this club would never be the same. I mean, do they still put up yards and points? Yes, But this defense, man, this defense cannot figure it out. The Tennessee Titans today walked into Atlanta and took it with force. 
This wasn't even a game from jump. This was not a game against Marcus Mariota and the Titans. Come on. Titans jumped out early. Big plays were the name of the game. Mariota wasn't anything spectacular. He found the end zone three times, though. Rookie A.J. Brown. He is a playmaker. He proved it today again, as he did already earlier this season. Limited target share. He only had three catches, but he almost broke 100 yards and found the end zone twice. I don't know what's going on with this Falcons defense. I said it before. I'm saying it again. It is done. Matt Ryan and this offense. I mean, what are we doing? What are we talking about with this? I was I was thinking that Devontae Freeman, he would have a good season simply because this offensive coordinator, Dirk Cutter, who has been here before, I get it, blah, blah, blah. We've discussed this before. But when you're watching this game, it's it's can you blame it all on the offensive line? I'm almost at the point where you have no answers for why the struggles are so real in Atlanta. I mean, Matt Ryan threw the ball 53 times today. That's a clear indication that they couldn't get the uh, ground game going at all, and they were down. They were always trailing. Austin Hooper was your guy fantasy football-wise. He was a beast. He went 9 for 130. If he found that end zone, it would have been a a glorious day for uh, Austin Hooper owners. Still was a good day. Julio Jones basically shut down. And the check down was there to Devontae Freeman. I mean, Mohamed Sanu also had a day, but I mean, this is what I'm talking about. You, You had to air it out because you had no ground game. You couldn't beat... This Titans defense, the defensive line for the Titans was all over the place. I'm disappointed with the Falcons. This is not how you would have hoped the season would have went, but it is what it is. They got a big hole to climb out of now. They're one in three. The Titans climb back to two and two, keep themselves alive in a tough division. Teams are going in separate directions. Atlanta, Atlanta. I, The dirty bird is dying, people. It's dying right in front of our eyes. Moving right along, a game everyone was interested in, including myself. The Cleveland Browns traveling to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Coming into this contest, the debate was, is Cleveland full of hype and they're not delivering? Or is it just a sidestep and they need to learn how to win contests? Baker Mayfield came to play today, people. If you didn't watch this one, let me fill you in. Baker was on point. He was efficient. He did turn the ball over once, but he was over 300, almost 350, hit a touchdown. But this is what we've been saying since the start of the season. If you're the Cleveland Browns, you need to establish the run game with Nick Chubb. Then you need to establish it, the short game with 
Jarvis Landry. This is your formula. We all know Odell Beckham is there. He is the game breaker, like I have said on the previous shows. Today was proof of what we've been preaching for the first three weeks of the season. Nick Chubb went off. 165, three touchdown rushes, and an 88-yard monster run. Jarvis Landry, another player. Unfortunately, we put him on our, our, stit, our sit list for the week only because of the fear of what they were doing, but this is what we were hoping for. I'll, t- I'll eat the sit only because... The production came through today, and I think that this will be a common thread because this works. Jarvis Landry, 8 for 167. He was finding holes all over this Ravens D. They couldn't contain him. They couldn't stop him. Granted, Odell Beckham was taking a lot of double teams today. He didn't really do much. But, I mean, that's okay. If you're the Browns and you're a Browns fan, this is what you want. You want wins. This is how you get them. And eventually what will happen once the run game continues to be the biggest threat with Landry breaking them apart over the middle, Beckham's going to be free wide open. There's no choice. They're going to have to stack the box, removing the double teams. And Odell's just going to cook them deep for touchdowns, deep for big gains. This is the formula. Defensively, I have to say I'm very impressed with how the Cleveland Browns defense performed today. They were all over the field. They made life extremely difficult for the Baltimore Ravens. And they still didn't have Denzel Ward out there, their best corner. So think about that. The Baltimore Ravens. So last week I had... So going back to week two, I think I had my percentage for Lamar Jackson as being a supporter 75 or 70, and I dropped it down to about 65-60. I'm going to keep it around the 60% mark. I, I think, again, he's a talented, talented man, talented player, but he is beatable through scheme, and it was shown again today. Don't get me wrong. Some of these runs that Lamar was doing today, it was Michael Vick-esque. It was. But like Michael Vick, game plan specific, you can beat the man. Yes, Lamar Jackson only missed 10 passes today. He did throw three touchdowns. However, one of them was in garbage time. The first half, he didn't have much. It was a struggle. Mark Ingram still played well, played admirable. But, I mean, they took away the deep shot. The big plays were not there. So, the turnovers for Lamar Jackson, too, we have to discuss them. He threw two interceptions. It was critical interceptions. But... I'm not a naysayer on the Baltimore Ravens. I'm just instructing, educating the understanding that they can be coached against and coached against well, game-planned against well. They'll get better. They're good. 
Defensively, they need to tighten up. The Browns took it to them. And, I mean, this is going to be a, a dogfight in this division between these two clubs now. Right? Both teams now 2-2. Two and two. Division is up for grabs. Pittsburgh is basically done. So, basically a two-horse race, in my opinion. But when it comes to fantasy football, how can you hate the man? You can't. Lamar Jackson still puts you points, gives you those points. Good game. It was a sound game, solid game. Very impressive. Moving right along, let's go to the next one, a battle of the undefeateds. The New England Patriots versus the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia. This was your test, like we said last week. I was of the opinion that winning this contest for Buffalo was attainable if mistakes didn't happen. It's the Patriots, man. To beat the best, you have to play your best. And if you don't play your best, bad things happen. Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo. If you didn't believe in this Bills defense, go back and rewatch this contest. This D is for real. They took it to Tom Brady to the tune of him doing literally nothing. Stifled Tom Brady. When have we seen Tom Brady walk to the sideline, drive after drive after drive, looking frustrated like Peyton Manning used to when he'd throw an interception? Buffalo's defense had a game plan, executed it to perfection, and basically put the league on notice on how you can beat the Patriots. How did this go sideways for the Buffalo Bills? Turnovers, mistakes, and special teams. You can't win. If it wasn't for that block punt that was recovered in the or taken back to the end zone, the Buffalo Bills would have won this contest. However, progression was the name of the game this is what we wanted to see from josh allen could josh allen is josh allen able to keep up with the big boys because this patriots defense is legit too let's not let's not kid ourselves this is one of the best defensive units i've seen on the uh under bill belichick in his entire career this defense is solid but Do I put the blame on Josh Allen for throwing those three interceptions, getting sacked four times? I mean, I'm kind of wavering back and forth because I believe the coaching staff didn't put him in the best situation based on the play calls. For a game like this, I mean, you're playing in front of your home crowd. Everybody's amped up and hyped up. You have to calm down the scene. The run game was working, man. Frank Gore went for over 100 yards today. You know, you had room on the ground. The continuing throwing of the ball when you didn't need to 
or I mean, because these weren't necessarily big mistakes by Josh Allen, but he was forcing the ball. He was forcing the issue. Double coverage picked off. Bad throw picked off. But it wasn't it wasn't a careless throw. It was more bad choices, bad decisions, bad ball placement. Allen took a nasty hit in this game, never came back. Matt Barkley came in. He drove the Bills quite well. I thought he might have got him at the end, but he threw that pick, and that was game. Patriots still undefeated. Bills lick their wounds, still can't beat the Pats. Lots to like, lots to dislike in this contest for both sides. Patriots offense looked pedestrian for the first time this season. Bills defense looks elite. Patriots defense looks elite. Bills offense, you still have some work to do. Still, sound game, didn't mind it. If you're a Bills fan, there's a lot of encouraging things there. If you're a Pats fan, you might want to... I mean, worry's not the case because, I mean, it's the Patriots. You guys just roll through the season anyway. But this could be a concern moving forward against good defenses. But we'll see. Next contest on the board. Who do we got? We got the Kansas City Chiefs against the Detroit Lions. Motor City. Patrick Mahomes in a dome. I believe they said this was the first time Patrick Mahomes was playing in a dome. What were we supposed to expect? I know what I expected. I expected it to be an offensive showing of magical proportions. Did not happen. Not for the first little bit at least. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs could not get things going in that first quarter. But what else is new? That has been how they have played most contests so far this season, right? Detroit. Detroit came out in this game to prove a point. That they should not be taken for granted no matter who they play. And we said this before. The Detroit Lions defense is vastly underrated. They were playing without their best DB in Slay. And that kid Coleman, oh, he came out to play. With him and Slay back there, this defense might have a shot. Matthew Stafford played extremely well. You can't hate on what he did today. He took some sacks, but he was efficient, man. He found the end zone three times today. The run game. So I've been on record saying that I'm not a carry-on Johnson fan, and I'm still going to stick with that. But he looked good today. But is it, is it any surprise? I mean, you're playing the Chiefs who can't stop a cold on the ground. So, I mean, it was a given. If he didn't perform today, I mean, I'd be here saying just throw him out. Interesting contest from the Lions. They, they competed. They played well. Kenny Galladay, he was good. Had one touchdown call back. He should have had three on the day. He played very well. Kansas City's offense. So what are we what are we going to say now about Kansas City? I mean, every super team can have a sidestep and I mean we can I mean still we're, they're going to put up 34 points today, but it was not Kansas City like. They they grinded this one out. They battled. They used the run game. Mahomes completed some good passes. He didn't find the end zone today. I can't remember a game where we didn't see Patrick Mahomes throw a touchdown pass. Right? So, interesting game for them. 
some guys that I thought would have come out to play today, like McCole Hardman, I thought would have been a lot better. He didn't do anything today. Sammy Watkins, man, from from the first week where he went off, I mean, he's been nothing but a ghost. But that's Sammy, right? He gets shut down, double teamed, and that's it. Game over. That's been his career, or he's been in the medical room. Travis Kelsey is, of course, your main guy. Shady had a decent game, but again, I couldn't understand the usage on Shady because he left the game late, and they used Williams a lot. Curious about it, but I mean, Andy Reid adjusted enough to win this contest to come back late. I thought this might have gone to overtime, which would have been cool to watch, fun to watch, but Chiefs pull it out. They remain perfect. The Lions drop their first loss of the season. And, I mean, speaking of Kansas City, this is what good teams do, right? Super Bowl contending teams, they just know how to win. They grind out the wins. Even if the offense, which is so prolific, can't get it done, they still find ways to win. Kudos to the Chiefs. They did it. They found a way to win. They remain, in my eyes, the best team in the NFL. Defense may be a problem as we go forward. They got to tighten up, man. They need, to, they need some work. Andy Reid needs to fix a little bit on that back end. Defense will be a problem late in the year. They got to clean that up. Moving right along, Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans. So coming into this contest, especially the week leading up to it, I was, I was quite hopeful with this Kyle Allen youngster taken over for Cam Newton, who's injured. What was I expecting? I mean, I wasn't expecting the world because, I, of course, any player, especially at the quarterback position, who comes in for his first contest, you know, it's going to be difficult for any defense to understand what it is that they do. Having one game of film to game plan against, Houston did it very well. They exposed his inadequacy. Allen, he was he was okay throwing the ball. It's not that he was inefficient or inaccurate again. He was he was throwing the ball well. He just couldn't hold on to that ball. He fumbled the ball three times, which could have crippled this team. Carolina stuck together behind Christian McCaffrey, of course. CMC come to the rescue. He was basically the entire offense. Ran the ball 27 times, caught it 10 times. Almost almost hit 200 yards total offense again. Fell in the end zone. It's Christian McCaffrey. I'm not even going to spend any more time because this guy's just an animal. But Kyle Allen. Winning again. No Cam Newton in Carolina. And the Carolina Panthers go 2-0 without Cam Newton. Impressive. I can't say it enough. Even with this kid losing the ball three times, he had enough poise to not give it away late in the game, and he found the way to win. That's something special in the making. I don't care who you are. That takes a lot of poise and talent, ability, heart. Call it what you want. I like the kid. I think he's going to do some good things in this league. I think I even saw he was recruited as a five-star recruit back in the day. So, I mean, the talent was there back in the day. 
We'll see. Houston. What can I say about these Houston Texans? Disappointing. Very disappointing. When we watched that first contest versus the Saints, I really thought Houston was going to be a steamroller, competitive, you know, be right up there with the Chiefs when it comes to offensive production. They've just they just fallen back. Deshaun Watson looks like shades of himself. This offensive line again has its issues. I mean, Watson hit the turf six times in sacks today. It's not all on him. You can't blame him for it all. The run game again, I mean, they're not producing heavy, but, I mean, the yards per carry are there. Duke Johnson ripped off a couple good ones. He was 9.3 per. Carlos Hyde had 4.8. So, I mean, the run game was at least efficient enough for them to move the sticks, set up the play-action pass. So my question was when I was watching the game, is this Carolina Panthers defense that good? Or has this Texans offense regressed that much since the first week? And I think it's a little bit of both. But Houston, you have a lot of work to do on this offensive side. I mean, Bill O'Brien, Coach Bill O'Brien, you got some things you need to figure out on the play calling sheet. You're looking a little vanilla. DeAndre Hopkins, second week in a row where you do nothing much spectacular in the stat column. You're letting down your fantasy owners. But, I mean, this is the offense, right? I'm going to stick it to more play calling rather than efficiency. But Watson needs to do his best. And I think he will. He's too good not to. They'll, they'll clean it up. But losing this contest does uh, does them a lot of harm in this division. Going 2-2, two and two, they're going to have some ground to make up. Going to have to win those important divisional games now. Carolina's rolling. Kyle Allen next week. I'll be curious to see what goes on, what happens. Next one up on the board. Oakland Raiders versus the Indianapolis Colts. So Vegas had the Colts close, I believe it was seven and a half points favored. And I knew as the week was building up, because T.Y. Hilton injured that quad and didn't, never came back last week. So, I mean, when that happens, it's usually a clear indication he's going to miss some time, which he did. But they didn't announce it till late. They said he was a doubtful, he was a questionable. But then, of course, you know, he missed the game. Everything in this offense. So let me let me let me storyboard this a little bit better. So the Colts not having T.Y. Hilton doesn't necessarily cripple the entire offense because this offense does still have playmakers. This contest can be described in one way for this offense. Dropped passes. I believe at one point or at the end of the contest, what it, I think the, the stat sheets showed that it was about seven or eight drops for this contest. Seven or eight drops. How do you expect to win when you can't catch the ball? Jacoby Brissett still went over 250 and threw three touchdowns. 
with eight drops. If you complete those passes, you keep the ball in your hands, and you score points. The run game was not there for Marlon Mack today. I think someone tweeted out that he might have got hurt, but I can't confirm. Going to have to wait and see on that one. My biggest issue here, because I had it on my start-sit column on all-day football, I had a potential breakout contest for rookie Paris Campbell. More disappointed I could not be because I thought this was a great opportunity for Paris to come out and show the world that he's got talent. He's got skill. Did not happen. He did fumble the ball on a short pass. Kind of ruined his day. I think it took away the momentum, took away his mojo, and then Brissett started going to Pascal. Can I blame him for going away from Campbell after he fumbled the ball? No. They were in a dogfight. You got to keep the ball in your hands. That one was disappointing for me the most. I mean, I... I really thought Campbell would have done it, but anyway. The Oakland Raiders walk into Indianapolis and steal a victory. This this one to me, you can't even go and sit there and say that the Oakland Raiders not necessarily didn't deserve this win, but it wasn't decisive. The Raiders still are who we thought they were. They're going to keep playing teams of their skill level this way. They'll be competitive in these contests, but outside of that, they're going to get blown out or they're going to be they're going to lose by 15. But let's be fair. They got the run game going this week. Josh Jacobs looked good today. He was running well, 4.6 per carry, 79 yards. Derek Carr wasn't terrible. I mean, two touchdown passes, but I mean he didn't he didn't win this game for for the Raiders. The Raiders D stepped up today. D line looked good. Big plays was the name of this game, though. But you gotta give it to the Raiders. You know, they came in, they walked into Indy, and they took it. They stole it. Colts had a great opportunity to go three and one, and they blew it. You can't put it on TY. The defense had its issues today. They couldn't stop the big play, and they lost. Next contest for us to review, the winless Miami Dolphins in tank mode hosting the L.A. Chargers. So the interesting stat was, so Vegas had them at 16-point or 16.5-point favorites, and the books had it saying that the Chargers haven't won in Miami since, like, 1982. Fear, man. I was scared. I still took the Chargers to cover this contest, cover the spread. Thankfully, they did. Won me some cash. But, I mean, it it, it gave you pause before the game started because you never know, right? And as this game started, I mean, at halftime, this game was close. It was 17 to 10. Fear. Scared. Anyway. Miami's going to do and hold on as long as they can. I mean, they're going to try to put on a show and compete. But as the game wears on, I mean, it's just it's going to get figured out. Because, I mean, they just don't have the talent, right? L.A., you know, like I said, 
starts at column, fantasy football. Phillip Rivers should go over 300, two to three touchdowns. He did that today. Clearly, they're the better team. It was an easy walk-in victory. The disappointment here, obviously, is going to be straight up on fantasy football. Austin Eckler had a decent game today, but Keenan Allen disappointed, 5 for 48. You were hoping. I mean, this is the same thing what happened last week with the Cowboys versus the Dolphins. You expected everyone to just go off, and it didn't happen. So when we're evaluating next week and who Miami is going to be up against or the next contest during the season, I mean, I think we need to take into account how much effort each team is actually going to put into beating the Dolphins. And I think that is your game. I don't think I think the team's got enough respect that they don't want to blow them out every week anymore because they know that the tank is in. So that kind of is my my thought process now moving forward for fantasy football when it goes to the Dolphins, playing the Dolphins, anybody, any of your players. Because it, it, it's clear. I mean, they're not they're not competitive. I mean, Rosen tried, Rosen played, but they're not going to try to win contests, and it's clear. But run the ball, kill the clock. I mean, the Chargers played well enough to win, and, I mean, that was what was going to be expected, you know. So, anyway, not spending too much more time on that contest. Moving right along, the New York Giants and the Washington Redskins. So, the Daniel Jones era took a massive leap in the right direction last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, put on a show, won the contest, used his feet, looked accurate. This is the game I wanted to see only because now, like I said, so from the beginning of the show, like I said, everything now is on tape, and there's enough tape for these coaches to develop the schemes to appropriately game plan against the opposition. And this is usually when it happens. You know, around week four, week five, we start to see which coaching staffs can take their team to the next level and develop them into the team they should be. New York Giants. Daniel Jones didn't look bad. He started off looking great. You know, on that Gallman touchdown pass, when you see him work through his progressions, standing in the pocket, I think Gallman was like his fourth read. Don't discount how impressive that is for a rookie quarterback to do. Normally, it's it's your primary, secondary, and then if your checkdown's not there, you're running or you're throwing the ball away. You're basically two reads, run or throw the ball away. He had like four reads. His head was on a swivel. It was like bang, 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 found Gallman in the end zone touchdown. He looked good early on, but, I mean, as the game did go forward, you could tell the adjustments the Redskins were making because life got a little bit more difficult for Jones. He threw two interceptions afterward, didn't look as poised, didn't look as accurate, looked a little bit more flustered. You know, he took off a few more times, but overall, you can't dislike what is going on in New York. I mean, could you imagine if they had Saquon in the backfield for that contest? I mean, you add a different dimension with a superstar running back on this offense. Gallman, he he was admirable today. He played well. He found the end zone twice. You know, he was over 100 total yards today. You can't hate that for a backup running back. 
Sterling Shepard, he looked good today. I mean, I was curious. There isn't really – Golden Tate comes back next week, so that makes this offense even more intriguing to me. He comes back Golden Tate off suspension. But Sterling Shepard proved to me today that with a quarterback that can find him, Shepard can still or should be considered a reliable target. He proved it well today. But the other side of the story for this contest was the benching of Case Keenum for other rookie quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, Ohio State. I did not know what to expect simply because I'm not the biggest Dwayne Haskins supporter. Again, never hating on a guy's ability. I still think he's got a good arm. But he showed his lack of preparation. I mean, he was thrown to the wolves. What did you really expect from Dwayne Haskins? Not taking the first team reps all week, holding the clipboard. And then Gruden, Coach Gruden is like, get in the contest and let's see if you can win. He looked bad. 9 for 17, 107, and three picks. It was It was inevitable. Too bad the Skins put him in that situation. But, I mean, this is how you kill rookie quarterbacks' confidence. This is, this is the staple of how you ruin a young man's career right off the bat. You throw him into a contest that he wasn't prepared for, even though he should be. Granted, some of the blame should be put on him. He should be preparing like he is a starting quarterback every day. But still... Give him a little bit of a break. He is a rookie. First snaps. Run game obviously isn't there. Peterson couldn't find room. Receivers just couldn't find room. Passes just weren't there. Defense played well. Daniel Jones 2-0. Has the Giants moving. 2-2. Back alive in the division. They're just dying to get Saquon back in this offense now, right? Danny Dimes. Something to speak of. Looking good. Moving right along again. Let's go. Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. So I, I've i been saying how much I like Kyler Murray and his game. And by now, everyone should be telling me, yo, stop. Stop preaching, Murray. It's not there yet. But I can't. From when you watch this kid play, you know it's there. I mean, it's not just on him. This offensive line is bad. It is terrible. He is constantly running for his life. He does not have enough time to dissect the field outside of his first two targets. He doesn't have time. But you saw Coach Kingsbury, he did make the adjustment to allow David Johnson to be the check down, to be the guy there. To help him out if he was in trouble. DJ, again, still can't run the ball, but I blame it again on the offensive line. This offensive line just can't get it done. They need to go into free agency in next year's draft, and they need to solidify this line if they want Kyler Murray to succeed. You have the weapons on this offense. You have Christian Kirk. You have Larry Fitzgerald. You have DJ. You know, Andy Isabella is a rookie that's going to be coming up in the second half of the season. Watch it. It's coming. But they got players, man. 
feel bad for the guy. He tried his best. You know, he threw a bad pick today to to Jadavion Clowney. But, I mean, I think that was more an athletic play by Clowney to take it to the house and, and take that ball away more than it was Murray's fault. But Seattle, I mean, this one was kind of a tune-up. You know, the defense in Arizona isn't good. They really miss Patrick Peterson. And even with Peterson, I mean, what are, what are they going to really be? They got a lot of holes. They got a lot of things to figure out. But Russell Wilson, he's, you know, the thing is when I watch this game, Russell Wilson just, he it's not that he doesn't look like himself. He just looks like he's not as explosive as he once was. Maybe it's just me. I'm going to still chalk it up to maybe it's just the opponent that he played down to the opponent. I mean, he was efficient today. He only missed, what, six passes today, found the end zone once. But Chris Carson, man, he was the guy today. I was hoping to see Chris Carson have a day, and he did. Coach Carroll trusted him, 22 carries for 104. Helped him in the pass game as well, caught another four for 41. He was, he was great. And the most important thing, he didn't fumble the ball. So this is what I love about Pete Carroll. He knew his running back had ball control issues, and he allowed him to work it out in the game. Love it. Any coach that believes in their players to this level, I will always preach support. Well done, Pete Carroll. This game wasn't really that good in, in the long run. Seattle basically had it handled from day one, or from the coin toss. So, Arizona, I feel for you. It'll get better. I'm still believing in Kyler Murray. Fantasy football-wise, I mean, his day will come. But I'm not willing to give it up yet. We'll see. Someone might have to hit me over the head before I give up on Kyler Murray, but there's just too much talent there for me. So the next game coming up on our board, I'm laughing because nobody in their right mind saw this coming. Nobody. Tampa Bay. I don't even have to say who they're playing because I'm just going to say Tampa Bay. How in the world do you go cross-country travel from Florida to Los Angeles and just sucker punch the L.A. Rams? TKO. This was baffling. Baffling. I believe at one point it was 21 nothing. I didn't know what I was watching in this contest. So for me, it's safe to say that the LA Rams are broken. They're broken. This is not your Super Bowl team of last season. This is not the team that was dominating the opposition. Okay, fine. You're going to sit there and say, okay, Chris, they put up 40 points today. Their opposition put up 55. And it's the Bucks. So you can't convince me that the Rams are, are solid. They're not. So like I said last week, is Sean McVay figured out? I think that is the conversation that needs to be had. I mean, in, in reviewing this contest, you're going to see how many stats were put up from both sides. 
But there's a lot going on outside of the stats for the for the Rams. The defense, you know, you you can't put it all on them in this contest because before they knew it, they knew they had to start pitching the shutout after the first quarter for the Rams to win. So the so the the responsibility fell on their shoulders to get Jared Goff the ball back. And the problem was every time they even made a stop, Jared Goff was given the ball right back. Jared Goff had three interceptions today. I don't care that he threw the ball 68 times and had 500 yards passing. I don't care. His inefficiency and his turning the ball over is becoming a major problem. Major. He added a fumble to that. Jared Goff was responsible for four L.A. Ram turnovers today. He has not been the same player from the Super Bowl. And this comes back to the same token that we keep on saying. Teams that lose the Super Bowl, it makes it very difficult to come back from because it's so devastating. Either way, Todd Gurley. How can you win? I mean, so they had to adjust. Obviously, they had to adjust. Todd Gurley, instead of running the ball, became a major checkdown option. Robert Woods had a massive day today. Cooper Cup again, like I said, he last week. He is a beast. He's gonna keep playing. Brandon Cooks kind of took a sidestep out of everyone today, but I don't know, man. These these LA Rams, man. The defense just doesn't look good. Well, it didn't look good today. Wade Phillips, he was he was scratching his head on more than one occasion. Tampa Bay. The Chris Godwin show. You know, Mike Evans got in late with a deep one, but this was all Chris Godwin. Don't get it twisted, man. He was 12 for 172 and two touchdowns. He was lights out all over the field. Nikel Roby Coleman had no chance in covering this man. It was a mismatch from the whole game, and Wade Phillips just refused to provide help and assistance because he was so worried about Mike Evans. Well... Even with that said, I mean, Jameis Winston, he was okay. He he was, again, he was fine in the room. He he took what the defense gave him, and he he executed. So, I mean, if that's going to be the formula for Tampa Bay and, and Winston moving forward, I think that's appropriate. Bruce Arians, look at this tape. See what happens. Allow Jameis to give or take what the defense has given him, and maybe that'll be your success. I wish I could have a whole show on the L.A. Rams at this point because there is so many things I would like to discuss, but right now I'm saying they're broken. The team is broken. Next game, moving on. Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. So speaking of broken, that's a good segue into this contest because the Minnesota Vikings, too, they are busted broken. I can't even defend this anymore. Coming into the season, again, I was a huge supporter of the fact that Gary Kubiak was going to be on the roster or on the coaching staff roster. I believe that Kirk Cousins was going to take the next step with his tutelage. Look, you play an elite defense like the Chicago Bears, and your run game gets shut down. What did Dalvin do today? He was 14 for 35, 2.5 yards per carry. When your run game gets shut down, this is exactly what I was talking about yesterday. Right now you are masking your, your, your grave concerns and grave problems 
with Dalvin Cook, and now you can't throw the ball. So when Dalvin Cook isn't running, you look even worse. Kirk Cousins was off target. He had his chances. I mean, I I remember even seeing Adam Thielen deep, and he just missed him. Diggs got back into the game. He had seven catches. I mean, he was an afterthought for the first three weeks. The afterthought in this week was Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen did nothing in this contest, people. Two for six. Two for six for one of the best receivers in the league. I am sighing, people, because this is major depression time for me because I really thought that Minnesota... I wasn't alone, so you know what? If you guys want to down on me for for preaching at the offseason, I'll take it. It's okay. I can take the hit. But, I mean, I wasn't the only one. Everything on paper was looking great. There's no reason why this team can't be as efficient as they were last season. You can't tell me Kirk Cousins has regressed that much over one offseason. Anyway, the Chicago Bears, this elite defensive unit again comes to play and makes their opponent pay. They had this game in hand. Minnesota couldn't do anything of value. And even when the starting quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, went down early, I mean, Mr. Reliable, Chase Daniel, comes in the game, throws the one touchdown pass to to Cohen. And I mean, that, that was the game, right? David Montgomery saw his rushes today. This is what we've all been waiting for. 21 carries on the ground. He got in the pass game as well. I think he had three catches. But, I mean, he couldn't really do much. And, I mean, that's okay because the volume was there. So he will continue to grow as the season goes on. But this was a dominating factor in this contest, this Minnesota Vikings offense. And I just... I. I don't even know what to say right now, man. It's got to be shown on the field before I can I can start preaching because a lot of these guys are going to be sits now moving forward for fantasy football unless the, the matchup is there. But they need a big contest. They need a showing next week. If they can come out next week and put on a show, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start to remove this negativity that's within me because I just I don't like it. Not one bit. So hitting up the last contest on the afternoon – Early evening slate, depending on your time zone. Jacksonville Jaguars and the Denver Broncos. So the Denver Broncos, to start this season, have started out the gate slow and then having to try and attempt to come back. This game was completely different. I was impressed. I I thought Denver's game plan was, was very sound, and they came out to a 17-6 lead at halftime. That's good at home against a defense like the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's very good. Jags didn't have Jalen Ramsey today, and Flacco took advantage of it. Emmanuel Sanders got back on track, going for over 100. Cortland Sutton found the end zone twice. I mean, that is encouraging signs if you're a Denver Broncos fan. They had this contest moving in the right direction. The issue was the run game. And you knew it was going to be an issue because the Jacksonville Jaguars are still extremely stout on that defensive line. And they made it hard for them to run the ball. Flacco looked a lot better. He went over 300, had three touchdowns. He was fine in his receivers. He spread the ball today. 
You know, he got everyone involved. You know, Deshaun Hamilton, Noah Fant, they all got involved. I don't hate what Denver did today offensively. Could it have been better late? Yes. But the defense. So even when the offense plays well, the defense now can't deliver late. So this is very intriguing to me because if I'm not mistaken, Chris Harris is the one that basically called out not only this offense, but John Elway for not providing the defense support offensively to get the job done. You had a lead. Chris Harris, Broncos defense. You let it go. How did you let it go? His name was Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette took off in that second half, in that fourth quarter, and he was ripping that defense apart. I, I got to go look back. I can't say for sure, but I got to say this is a career day for Leonard Fournette. 29 for 225. 225. He ripped off an 81-yard gallop that was just gorgeous. Two weeks in a row, people. The doubters on Leonard Fournette, he's back. He is back. You just need Leonard Fournette to find that end zone. And that makes it that much better. Chark and Westbrook look good today. Minshew, he was all right. You know, he didn't he didn't lose the game for you. He he started slow. He he was having an issue with Von Miller. Bradley Chubb, he was sacked five times. He he was having issues with that defensive line, but I mean, who wouldn't? It's Von Miller and 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 Chubb. These guys are they're, they're beasts. They're going to come after the quarterback and it's going to be for a long day. Leonard Fournette won you this contest. You buy the man dinner because it was him. Denver had their hopes. They made the comeback late. Didn't happen. Jacksonville kicks the field goal. No time remaining. Game over. Denver Broncos are now 0-4 with Joe Flacco. Alarm bells for John Elway and his seat as the general manager. I don't know. What you can say to save your job at this point because you have to have the golden keys to the city to keep your job because if you don't fix this really quick, I mean, I mean, you need to string wins together. I mean, your, your playoff hopes are dwindling already and it's only week four. But at least let's make this respectable. Get, your, get yourself back to a level that you can perform. Anyway. Game of the night, Sunday night football, the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. I was upset knowing at the beginning of the week that this was the Sunday nighter only because Drew Brees was not going to play. And we knew this. I mean, he was hurt. Unfortunate because I think we would have saw fireworks. Either way, Teddy Bridgewater again started this contest against the Cowboys at home in New Orleans. And this game really didn't deliver what we all expected. This game was straight-up defense, defense, and defense. Second week in a row, Dallas Cowboys not looking the best offensively. I mean, I want to see a team who is so stacked, and you can't tell me that it's all Michael Gallup not being there because of his injury. Yes, Randall Cobb, he has not looked good. 
I was supportive, thought he could re uh, resurrect his career in Dallas. I mean, he's had his moments. He made a couple plays, but the drops are killing him. Zeke couldn't get going today. The Saints defense. So let's just start there. The Saints defense came to play. They came to play. If you didn't catch this contest, Marshawn Lattimore, he was draped. He shadowed Amari Cooper all game, and he put on a clinic. He was an island. It wasn't even close. Cooper, you could tell, he was getting frustrated. I mean, he had five catches. It went for 48, but... There was nothing there of big play potential because Lattimore, and it's a good thing because I think he was one of the worst in the league when it came to defending the opposition. It was a great day for him. I was very impressed. The defensive line made Dak Prescott and this running game virtually non-existent for any big play opportunity. He was under duress the entire contest, I mean, the sacks weren't there, but there was always pressure in his face, you know. And once you remove Amari Cooper, here's the here's the caveat. So here is this the the tape that now makes the Dallas Cowboys beatable, because the Cowboys defense kept them in this contest. I mean, if Drew Brees was on the field, would be would we be saying a different story perhaps? But but the Dallas defense looked good. They were good. They kept them in the game, and the New Orleans Saints had flags for days. How many penalties did this club have? I believe when I counted it one time, it was eight or nine. The final tally, yeah, the final tally was nine for 80 in penalties. How do you not capitalize on that if you're the Cowboys offense? So, I mean, in my eyes, it looks like the Cowboys offense has also been figured out through film. They're still good. They're still sound. They just have some work to do. They have to make sure that they're they're getting those adjustments in there. If Amari Cooper gets shut down, you need another player to step up. Obviously, the run game, you'd expect that to step up, but even if that's not there, so what are you going to do if your two best players, Zeke and Cooper, don't aren't performing? This is what happens. We just saw it tonight against a very solid defense, a very solid game plan. The Saints' defense is beatable. Let's not get that twisted. They are beatable. But it is what it is. The Saints offense wasn't impressive to me whatsoever. Michael Thomas was the man again, Mr. Glue Hands. Did you uh did you some good favors on fantasy? Didn't find the end zone. Teddy was okay. Again, game managing. This is what Sean Payton wants from him until Drew Brees returns. As long as you're winning the contest for him, I think they're gonna be happy. Three and one. Anyway. Monday Night Football is the final contest on the Week 4 slate. Nothing exciting on paper. You got the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to the Pittsburgh Steelers. What can we say? I mean, we're going to talk about, again, the lack of offensive production from the Pittsburgh Steelers, the up-and-down performance by the Cincinnati Bengals. But, hey, at least one of these teams are going to get their first win of the season on Monday. What I'm looking for, I'm looking for progression from Mason Rudolph. I want him to look better accuracy-wise, spreading the ball around, looking efficient. James Conner, get the run game going. Defense on Pittsburgh is quite sound, so I mean, I'm not really expecting much difference there, but I want to see this offense start to move. And when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm looking for 
greater efficiency from the play calling. Zach Taylor needs to take control of this team because he hasn't been horrible. Andy Dalton's been okay. Joe Mixon is the is the X factor. I believe if if Joe Mixon can find the strides that he was going to last season in this contest, then I think that the Bengals could pull out the upset. They really could. But we'll see how it goes. I think it'll be a tight contest for a little bit, and then and then one side will will explode. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. And on that note, week four is concluded. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on All Day Football. We appreciate you as always. You can find me at Chris underscore ADF1 on Twitter. Also, you can find the show at ADF Underground. Thank you a lot for tuning in. We appreciate you until next week. Stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.